Thanks for listening to this teaching from City of Life Church. Check out www.col.tv for more great teachings, service times, and information on upcoming events. Now, let's join the service already in progress. Well, turn with me this morning to Luke chapter 6, verses 17 through 26. Turn in your Bibles with me. Try to bring a Bible to church, or if you don't bring an actual book Bible with you, make sure that you have some kind of app uh, that you use, maybe the YouVersion app, something like that, where you're able to read along with us. And for those of you that don't have a Bible with you, we put uh, the scriptures on the screen. And uh, today our text will be Luke chapter 16, verses 17 through 26. And can I just say this today? That in church, let's 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 create good habits. Let's be people that take notes. Uh, let's also be people that uh, when we go home, we take those notes and incorporate them into our personal devotion. Look at someone next to you and say the word devotion. Devotion means commitment. That is your personal time with God. It doesn't matter what preacher preaches a message to you, how amazing they are, how great they're. It's not the quality the message that's being preached to you or the, the method that is being used, it's how much of that scripture you take and integrate into your life. Can someone say amen today? So it, it's us getting into it during the week and learning about it and using practical application in our life. So, so the reason you should take notes and write it down is so you can go home and fact check it. Say, does the Bible really say this? Is this what it really means as I'm growing in my faith? That way we're all growing together, not just kind of creating uh, sort of a consumer atmosphere in church where you're here to just listen to singing and preaching and be entertained and a couple of zingers on twinger, uh, Twitter. That's not what life is all about. It's about, it, that's not the Christian life it's about. It's about steady, consistent growth. Can someone say amen today? Amen. So Luke uh, chapter six, it says this. Now, verses 17 through 19 is the context uh, of what's happening before this big idea happens in verses 20 through 26. So here's the context. Jesus says he went down with them. So that means that they had been up somewhere. They were on a mountain. Jesus came down the mountain. It says he went down with them and stood on a level place. A large crowd of his disciples was there and a great number of people from all over Judea from Jerusalem and from the coastal region around Tyre and Sidon, who had come to hear him and to be healed of their diseases. Those troubled by impure spirits were cured. Don't you love that about Jesus, that wherever the presence of Jesus is, it disturbs the devil. The devil just cannot, come on, look at someone next, you say, the devil's gotta get away from you. Come on, look at him, say, cause you got Jesus all over you. See, the devil cannot handle, when Jesus got around people with impure spirits, the spirit started crying out, saying, leave us alone, Jesus. The devil does not know how to coexist. He can't coexist with the presence of Jesus. It says, and all the people tried to touch him because power was coming from him and healing them all. So the reason I wanted to set the context up is that Jesus brought a way of living that challenged the religious traditions that were, co that were existing at the time. So he brought a life, a hope, a power, the supernatural, the power of the Holy Spirit was moving through him. People's lives were being transformed, healed. People were following after him. And his way of teaching and thinking challenged the legalistic religious mindset that says I can earn my way into heaven. Jesus brought a message that basically said, you're gonna to have to follow me if you wanna know the way into heaven. And it's not what you think it is. 
it's going to look different than what you think. So what is happening in verses 17 through 19 is a collision is about to take place. A collision of mindsets, a collision of God incarnate who has come to earth to bring this message of hope and to bring this supernatural life and the old system. So two kingdoms are about to collide and the collision is going to be brutal. It's about to happen. Are you ready for it? Verse 20 says, looking at his disciples, he said, blessed are you who are poor for yours is the kingdom of God. Blessed are you who hunger now for you will be satisfied. Blessed are you who weep now for you will laugh. Blessed are you when people hate you, when they exclude you and insult you and reject your name as evil because of the Son of Man. Rejoice in the day and leap for joy because great is your reward in heaven. For that is how the ancestors treated the prophets. Then he goes on to speak to the other kingdom, the wrong kingdom. So at first, right there, verses 20 through 23, he's talking to, the, to his kingdom. Now here comes the collision. And he says, anyone who thinks like this, be careful. So I don't know, if you hear some stuff that's familiar to hear, familiar to you right now, be careful. It says, but woe to you who are rich, for you have already received your comfort. Woe to you who are well fed now, for you will go hungry. Woe to you who laugh now, for you will mourn and weep. And woe to you when everyone speaks well of you, for that is how their ancestors treated the false prophets. I've got a message today for you. One of the reasons I prayed about this message and, and asked the Lord to help me share this, it's the second week of the year. Colso is launching uh, today, relaunching. I wanted to give you something that, that could be uh, substantive for your year to think about the way you can live your life in a way that honors God and shows you what you really need to be doing, what you really need to be walking out in your life. And I believe it's this message right here. The message is gonna be called Kingdom Collision. Kingdom Collision. I'm gonna pray right now. Father, thank you for your presence here today. I thank you for the power of the Holy Spirit uh, that is moving in this room right now, that is moving uh, online, people that are watching, that is moving at Colso right now. Uh, we pray for the supernatural just to happen all over the place, God, for healed hearts. Lord, people that are depressed, uh, people that are, are sick in their bodies, that need miracles. Holy Spirit, move today. And uh, move through this message as well, that our hearts would be encouraged and we would be filled with hope today, and we would turn to you more than we ever have. Uh, and Lord, next year at this time, please let the Cowboys be playing in the NFC Championship. In the precious name of Jesus, amen, amen. So I've always loved football. Um, when, I, when I came to Florida, it was actually 1977. I, I was five years old. I'd grown up in Alabama, born in Mississippi, grew up in Alabama until I was five. Uh, I, I'm, I'm kind of OG when it comes to Florida. I mean, I lived in Pine Hills in the 70s. I went to Orla Vista Elementary School. Uh, we bumped around, went back to Alabama. I, we moved over to Union Park. I went to Union Park Elementary, fifth grade, sixth grade. We moved to Winter Garden. Uh, I went to, Adam, or went to Winter Garden uh, Elementary School over there. Then I went to uh, uh, Lakeview Junior High School in the seventh grade and the eighth grade. And then in ninth grade, mom and dad moved here and I went to St. Cloud. 
Now, I loved Alabama football all growing up. That's all I'd ever known. Bear Bryant, Roll Tide, all that kind of stuff. But when I went to St. Cloud, uh, everyone wore gator shirts. I just hate orange. See, I told you that when you get around the presence of Jesus, the devils just start. They can't. <laughs> That's a joke. That's a joke. It's a joke. Um, <laughs> So there are all these orange jerseys everywhere. I was just like, no, I just, I just can't ever, like no one liked Florida State. So I don't, I don't know if I was just being a contrarian, but I, I became a Florida State fan uh, in high school, never missed watching a game all the way up until, it's hard to watch now, but uh, it, I, I even still watch all the games now. But so as a Florida State fan, it was kind of strange. In 1992, one of my close friends asked me to go to the national championship game, uh, Miami versus Nebraska. And Miami is one of my least favorite teams. Uh, and so I went to the uh, game just to be with my buddy. And he's a Miami fan. So I got to see that game. And, uh, but it was interesting because I'm surrounded by Miami fans. But, so I just wore like a normal shirt. But underneath my shirt... you say, well, why didn't you want to wear it on the outside, Pastor Jeff? You're a real Seminoles fan. Because they're criminals. They would beat me up, and, and, and I'm, I, didn't, I knew this. So I wore it underneath. But I, and you say, well, why? I just wanted to, for myself to be like, I am a Florida State fan. So the reason I'm bringing this up is Jesus, in this sermon on the Mount, is talking about two different kingdoms that are going on at the same time. So in the same way, I'm in a place that's surrounded by people that think different than I do. And, but on the inside, I know that I'm something else. It's the same kind of way as this world that we live in. I don't know if you've ever heard of the show called Stranger Things. Raise your hand if you've ever heard of Stranger Things before. It's a show that's on Netflix. Well, in Stranger Things, it's kind of like the upside down. If you don't know what the upside down is, in the show Stranger Things, there's a normal world that we live in and we can see everything as, as it should be. But there's this spiritual world that is underneath that world that we live in, where everything looks similar, same layout, same you know, furniture, uh, same places, but the upside down is very dark and, and things are decaying and there are these evil spirits and monsters that are in the, the upside down. So it's interesting, even a show like that kind of paints this idea of dual worlds. Now in our case, as Christians, we live in the upside down. So we live in the world that appeals to our emotions, that appears to what we see, what we feel, what we want. That's what's going on around us. But Jesus is teaching us that the, the true world, the true kingdom that has true value that I have come to establish is underneath the kingdom that you think you know. And you have to learn how to see the real kingdom in everything you do. So Jesus goes to explain the idea of these kingdoms that are on a collision course that at some point we're going to have to realize what real kingdom living actually looks like. Look at someone next to you. You say you, say you need to be living in the real kingdom. Now... Any kingdom administration consists of three key principles. Principle number one is a pattern. There is a pattern in any kingdom or any administration, even if you're a sports fan and a coaching change takes place, they bring in a new system. So with a coaching change or an administration change or a government change or a, a leadership change, 
Any kingdom or leadership has three key principles. Number one, there is a pattern of that kingdom. Number two, there is a power in that kingdom. And number three, there is a product in that kingdom, which is the end result of that kingdom. When it's, when it's fully executed, there is a pattern, there is a power, and there is a product. Okay, so I want you to remember that, that for just a minute because Jesus is going to show us that, that each of these kingdoms has a pattern, it has a, a power, and it has a product. One will lead you to destruction. One is going to give you hope. One is going to give you life. Raise your hand up the air if you want the one that gives you life and gives you hope. I want to live in the right kingdom. I want to make sure my life is, is centered around what it's supposed to be centered around. So here we go. He, I, now I'm going to do something a little different. He, he said, blessed are you. The, the first couple of things he said, he taught us about the right kind of kingdom. Then he said, woe to you. And taught about the wrong kind. I'm going to start with the wrong ones. Okay. So here we go. In verse 24. He says this. He says. Woe to you who are rich. Okay. Woe to you who are rich. Who have already. You have already received your comfort. Woe to you who are well fed now. For you will go hungry. Woe to you who laugh now. For you will mourn and weep, and woe to you when everyone speaks well of you, for that is how their ancestors treated the false prophets. Let's look at that idea for a second of the kingdom that we live in, why some of these things that we crave can destroy us if we're not careful, and we'll look at the proper alternative in just a second. Okay, so the first thing, he says, woe to you who are rich, for you've already received your comfort. Most everyone in this room wants money. Okay, that's it's, it's sort of our, our goal is to be successful. We want to make sure that we're able to have the things that we want to provide for our families. And, and, and we want to give our kids a better life than we had. All those kinds of things. Those are things that we seek out. But in the pursuit of money, what, what we can do sometimes is we can lose sight of the fact that when we get money, the thing that money gives us that can truly corrupt us is power. Okay, because with money, you can buy all of, you have the power, you can buy all of these substitutes to the things that God offers us. God offers us peace, the kind of peace that we can have no matter what kind of storm we are in. Can someone say amen? No matter what kind of storm we are in, there is a peace that comes from knowing Jesus. But you know what money can buy you? Money can buy you a condo in Bora Bora. Okay, there's some, there's some tranquility there too. So rather than allowing God to be your peace, money can buy you things where you can get a cheap counterfeit version. Are you here today? So rather than working on who you are in Christ uh, to make yourself feel better and realize that you have a hope in Jesus, you can just go buy a new outfit. Or ra rather than working on your character, if you get enough money, you can go buy a new Lamborghini, okay? Ra rather than building the house of your life and building a, a foundation of, of your family and building on the rock of Jesus, you can go buy a real house. And that'll get your mind off of things. So money gives you a kind of power that can corrupt you. And Jesus says, woe to you who are rich. Not because God wants you to be poor. What he's saying is, be very careful that you don't get caught up in the lie that money solves your problems. Be, don't, be careful that you don't get up, caught up in the deceit that the power that money gives you is going to make you feel better because it won't. Verse 25 says, woe to you who are well fed now. 
for you will go hungry. What that means is the comforts of life. It means that if you live your life based on comforts, on having everything that you want now, and, and feeling good about what you have right now, and, 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 and you're not, and there's never that hunger. Uh, be careful. There's, ne- there's never that sacrifice. If everything is now, 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 you're missing out on the spiritual side. There has to be some kind of sacrifice. There has to be some kind of sacrifice now in order to have what God wants for you later. He goes on to say, woe to you who laugh now, for you will mourn and weep. Okay, and that particular word in the Greek for laugh doesn't mean just laugh. It means to gloat. So there are some people in this life who have that gloating kind of mentality of, yes, I won, or my idea is the best idea, or the people we run with, we're in charge, or we're winning right now. And there's that gloating kind of mentality. And the Bible says, be very careful that what this world has to offer you doesn't put you in a place where you think you're better than other people. Be careful, because if you're laughing now, then you're going to mourn and weep in the real kingdom. You have to be very cautious. And then it finally says, It says, woe to you who everyone else speaks well of, for that is how their ancestors treat the false prophets. Uh, It's scary that, and that's talking about recognition. When everyone talks about you and talks well of you, they recognize, oh, he's, uh, Bill, he's such a great guy. Oh my gosh, what a great worker. No one ever says anything bad about him. Well, can can I tell you something? If no one ever says anything bad about you, you might want to check what you're saying. Because I I got news for you. The Bible says that the gospel is a stumbling block to the Jews. And it says that it is, I mean, the Greek word is it's moronic. It's foolishness to the Greeks. So it means, that means people that are Jewish, it's it's offensive to the Jewish faith. And to Greek, which means non-Jews, which is everyone else, the gospel is offensive. And it says, but to those of us who are being saved, it's the power of God. So so what it's saying is that if you're living a gospel-centric life where Jesus is at the root of everything you say and everything you do, it's probably going to get some things stirred up. So that's why when this says, be careful if everyone speaks well of you, because that's how false prophets are. Why? Because false prophets say everything that people want to hear. The false prophets, if if they're in one room with a group of people, they say, oh, well, here's the good news for you. This is going to happen for you. Blah, blah, blah. I'll just lie to you. And then you come into another room and you say the opposite. Why? Because it's going to please the people that you're in the room with. Be careful if that's the way your life looks. Jesus says, woe to you if you seek out that kind of recognition. It's scary. Now, let's look at what he says about God's kingdom. Who wants to know about that today? I'm excited about that. He says, blessed are you who are poor. Okay, and, and, and then Matthew, this says just poor, period. Okay, there's no modifier. There's nothing, even on a theological level, you know, you can't even really read too much into that. And I think a lot of theologians won't argue that it, it actually means poor, monetarily. But when we couple that with what it says in Matthew, when, when he's speaking the same sermon at a different time, he says, blessed are the poor in spirit. So what this is saying is, happy are you, Blessed are you if you're either poor monetarily or you're poor in spirit. So a rich person can actually be poor in spirit 
And what that means is when you're poor and you have no money, you, can't, you don't have any power. You can't do whatever you want. You must completely rely on God when you have nothing in your bank account. And it's saying that if you're spiritually poor, that means you may have a lot. You may have a lot of wealth. You may have a lot of money. But what you realize is I'm nothing without Jesus. I can't earn my salvation. I can't earn my righteousness. Jesus, everything comes from you. So the, he's saying, blessed are you who are poor or poor in spirit. He says, for yours is the kingdom of God. Because you understand the kingdom. You can't buy what, the things in the kingdom of God. You understand by being poor in the natural that in the spirit you have access to everything. You can be poor in this place today, but you can be the happiest person in the room. You can be poor in this place and you can be the richest in love in this room. You can be poor in this place and you can have access to every miracle that heaven has to offer. Raise your hand if you grew up Poe. You didn't even have enough to complete the word. You, you couldn't even put the O-R on the end. I, I, same way. When I was growing up, we lived in cockroach-infested houses. Uh, when we got in there, and my mom and dad would go by a raid, and they'd spray it in every corner. That'd be dead cockroach. It was a massacre, World War III of, of cockroaches. I mean, they, they, they'd spray. I, we lived in trailers growing up. We, we didn't have enough. I mean, we used to have to share food all over the place. We, you know, everybody in the family eat a can of beans together in the trailer. I remember this stuff. Now, it's not because my parents weren't hard workers. It's just that they went through some really, really tough times. So, but I'm telling you something. In some of those years of my life, when we were monetarily poor, my family had so much love, so much faith. I saw God's hand in our life. I saw God moving in our family and providing opportunities for us that were on a level that people cannot imagine. Also, I got to tell you something. You can be poor, but you can still be classy. Okay, I'm telling you, you can be classy and be poor. Class ain't got nothing to do with your bank account. Okay, back when I, was, when I didn't have anything, when I was in the eighth grade, I told you about when, when I lived, went over to Lakeview Junior High School, all the kids that went there uh, went to Bay Hill. So we lived in Winter Garden, which ain't Bay Hill. That ain't Dr. Phillips, okay? Now, all my buddies were rich, and I'd go stay with them, and we did not even have enough money at that time for, for nice clothes or anything like that. So my mom can sew. Anybody here got a mama that can sew also? It's good, it's good to have a mom that can sew. But you know what my mom would do? That's back when Ocean Pacific was popular. Anybody remember OP? Raise your hand if you remember OP. Okay, OP, it had an O and then a P. And for, for those of you kids that are here, you're like, what's OP? It's like Abercrombie or something, but back in the day. Okay, so, so you know what my mom would do? She would go and she would buy these T-shirts. Okay, she'd buy these colored t-shirts and, and I'd roll up the sleeves because remember, it's the 80s now. But you know, she, she would sew the word O-P right on my shirt. She... You say, that's copyright infringement. No, that's classy. That's classy. That's a mom right there that may not have enough money to give her... She may not have enough money to give her son what everybody has, but she's going to make sure that he feels like a million bucks when he goes to school, okay? So I'm going to tell you something. Blessed are the poor in spirit. I hope that I'm the same man as I continue to have success in my life. I hope I'm that little boy. I hope I stay in my spirit, that humble young man that watched my mom and dad work hard, that watched my dad stay up at night praying over his future, praying that someday he'd have a church, praying that someday he'd have a place where he could preach the gospel to the broken and the people that had been thrown away by everyone else. I hope that I stay poor in spirit. 
the size of my bank account, it, it may fluctuate. I might go through tough times, rough times, but I want to make sure that the thing that is consistent in me is that I'm poor in spirit. Because Jesus says that if I'm poor in spirit and I'm needing him for everything I do, then I am blessed. Somebody give God a great praise today. So that's, that's weakness. Then he says, blessed are you who hunger now. Okay, what does that mean? It means living a life of sacrifice. It's saying, blessed are you who hunger now, for you will be satisfied. What does it mean? It means delayed gratification is a kingdom principle. It means that sometimes when everybody else is going to the party, young person, you can say, no, thank you. I'm going to stay home and I'm going to open up my Bible and I'm going to grab a highlighter and I'm going to start highlighting scriptures that I need to memorize. I'm going to lift my hands up in the air and say, Father, I worship you tonight. And while everyone else is out partying, I'm going to have a party with you in my room tonight. I'm going to praise you. I'm going to lift you up. I'm going to glorify you. Somebody needs to give him a praise on a Sunday morning today. It's called sacrifice. It's delayed gratification. That's what it is. Jesus is teaching us that sometimes when you have a kingdom mentality, that you realize I may not have everything right now that I want, but I'm going to sow seeds into my future. That's why the Bible says don't store up for yourself treasures here on earth where they can be corrupted, but store up for yourselves treasures in heaven where nothing can, thieves can't come get it. Moths and rust can't corrupt it. It can't, when it's in heaven, you have it forever. It's delayed gratification. See, that principle, we miss it so much. That principle of being hungry now. We, 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 We want everything right now. And Jesus is trying to teach us The kingdom, the real kingdom, sometimes is about sacrifice. Yeah, but if I but if I give to this to help these people, then I won't have what I want. Yeah, that's right. That's the point. Exactly. You're helping someone. You're being generous. Do you know what real generosity means? Not that you have so much money that you could just give so much out of way and you never feel it. No, real generosity means sacrifice. Look at someone next to you and say, it's not equal giving. Say it's equal sacrifice. You ever thought about the fact that somebody that has $100 million, a million dollar gift is not the same as somebody who's only got $2 million. You follow me? It's a big difference. Somebody's given away half of everything they have. Somebody's only given away 1%. So what Jesus is trying to teach us is that sacrifice is important in the real kingdom. Then he says, blessed are you who weep now, for you will laugh. This is a tough one. This is about grief. So this is about in the kingdom, in the real kingdom, when we live the real kind of kingdom life, sometimes we experience a lot of pain. But the joy that we can take from that pain is that weeping may endure for a night. But joy comes in the morning. We can know that we've got joy ahead of us. You ever heard that scripture that says, those that sow in tears will reap in joy? Do you know when I was growing up, I didn't even understand that. And I think most people actually don't understand it because it sounds, you know, I had it misexplained many times to me growing up. You say those who sow in tears, if you sow your tears, 
you'll reap joy. The, 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 the seeds of tears, that's actually not what it means at all. It means that people who are sowing seed while crying. The point is not just the tears. The point is because I'm crying, I'm not going to quit working. It means that it, it means that I'm sowing while in tears, but I'm not laying up in my room feeling sorry for myself in tears. I'm working for the kingdom, and I will, I will continue sowing seed. Those who sow in tears, I'm, Lord, it didn't work out. My dream failed, and I tried, and I did everything I could, and I just thank you, God, that you're faithful, and you're going to take, and I'm sowing, and I'm sowing, I'm sowing, I'm crying, but what happens is there's a season coming up real soon where my tears are going to be dry, and all of a sudden, I'm going to look at the ground, and I'm going to see, oh, hey, wait a minute. That's the seed I sowed back when I was in tears. I'm in joy now because instead of feeling sorry for myself, I continued sowing. Come on, somebody got to praise the Lord today. My gosh, that is the worst dance I have ever done. But, but you know, it just felt good though. Why? Because I can see somebody in this room sowing in tears, but reaping in joy. This is kingdom life here. Remember I said in any kingdom, there's three things, a pattern a power and a product. And in the kingdom of God, here's the pattern. The pattern is a reversal of values. Okay, so what does that mean? It means all the values that you had before you came to Christ, they gotta get flipped on their head. That's why when Paul said in Acts, I love in Acts, when Paul says, he's quoting Jesus, he says, it is better to give. As a matter of fact, you can study it. It's the only time Paul ever quoted Paul never met Jesus personally in Jesus' lifetime on this earth. He met him personally you know, on the road to Damascus in, in his spirit, resurrected Jesus. But he never lived with Jesus. Paul only knew about Jesus afterwards by the revelation of the Holy Spirit. So when Paul quotes Jesus in Acts, the only time he ever does is when he says, for it is written, it is better to give than to, say it with me, to receive. What is that? That's a reversal of our values. Who in the world would, ra I mean, if there is a chocolate chip muffin. Okay, scratch that. I'm, I'm gonna take it to the next level. I'm gonna take this to the next level and I'm gonna do it for those at Colso as well. If there is a red lobster cheese biscuit, I knew that would hurt you. She said, oh, I know where I'm going today. I, I saw that. I saw that. Yeah, me too. If there's a red lobster cheese biscuit, hot, right out of the oven, who in the world wants to give that away if there's only one? Nobody. But it's a reversal of values. That's the pattern of the kingdom. So if you want to live this kingdom life, if you want to really get what we're talking about here today, to live that kingdom life, you're going to have to flip some stuff on its head. The power, remember I said there's a pattern, there's a power, and there's a product. The power of the kingdom, it all comes from Jesus. Okay, it's not your power. In the, in the natural kingdom, it's about our intelligence, our work ethic, our charisma. No, but the power of, of this kingdom is all about Jesus. 
That's why Jesus said in Acts chapter 2, but you will receive power after the Holy Ghost has come upon you to be my witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and the uttermost parts of the earth. His power is the one that has secured this kingdom. And finally, there is a product. And what is the product of this kingdom? The product is where you look and who you look to. Acts chapter 7, when Stephen was being stoned to death, it says the members of the Sanhedrin were furious and gnashed their teeth at Stephen. But Stephen, full of the Holy Spirit, looked. He did what? Read it with me. But Stephen, full of the Holy Spirit, looked up to heaven. Read that again. Stephen, full of the Holy Spirit, looked up to heaven. That's the product of the kingdom. The product is where do you look in your trouble? Where do you look in your successes? He looked up to heaven and saw the glory of God and Jesus standing at the right hand of God. Look, he said, I see the heavens open and the Son of Man standing at the right hand of God. At this, all the people who were caught up in the upside down, the wrong kingdom, they covered their ears, yelling at the top of their voices. They rushed at him, dragged him out of the city, began to stone him. They were murdering this man. And while they were stoning him, he said, Lord Jesus, receive my spirit. He was still looking up to heaven. That's the product of the kingdom that we live in. When people do you wrong, when they treat you wrong, when you go through injustice, when people lie about you and put you down, what do you do? The product of our kingdom. We look up to heaven. That's who we are. We, we put our eyes to heaven. Amen. Come on, give them a praise today. All campuses. I'm going to close with this. You can't get there today because you know the right things to say. You might be here today. You know, you know all this stuff. You know, you know the right things to say. You don't become a Russian citizen just because you learn how to speak Russian. You can't get there today just because you know about the Bible. Just because you know how to read a map doesn't mean you've ever been to the location that's marked on the map. You can't get there today just because you know where the checkpoint is or the customs is to get into the kingdom. You can't get into a nation legally without a passport. And I got news for you today. There's only one passport to the kingdom of heaven and it is the blood of Jesus Christ. You have to have the blood of Jesus today to get into this kingdom. Jesus said, John 3, 3, he said, I tell you, no one can see the kingdom of God unless they're born again. So in closing today, remember the pattern of our kingdom is a reversal of values. The power of our kingdom today is the power of the Holy Spirit, the power of Jesus. It's something that he did on his own. And the product of our kingdom is a people that constantly looks to heaven for hope in the middle of everything. This concludes the teaching. If you'd like to support what God is doing here at City of Life, click on the Give button at www.col.tv or text a dollar amount to the number 855-997-6900. We hope you'll join us again.